This is Living Proof Radio, May 2024. All of our full episodes are available on our Patreon with weekly drops, a Patreon-only radio show, and Living Proof magazine delivered to your house every issue, as well as our entire members-only library backlog. Patreon.com slash York. Well, basically, we did a lot of clean trains. And, uh, you know, the authorities don't like when you uh, trespass on the ground and write the police's name all over the trains. So we did it like, you know, like a fuck you to them. Yeah. And then it ended up fucking us. You wrote the cops' names on the trains. So we would do clean trains and we would do our names on the trains. Yeah. And then when we were done, we'd buff it out and we'd do the cops' names so that when they showed up, their name was on the train, mm. you know? To be a fly on the wall, to see their faces when they, when they saw their names on the train. Yeah. It's priceless. Yeah. Like we used to, I used to mail them Christmas cards, right? With trains that we did that they missed. Yeah. So one Christmas card was a little boy in front of a, a TV with a train set. And on the inside was my photo of like a whole card that I did. And, oh, boys, you missed this one this year. Like, yeah. t- like taunting them. That's fucked up. But again, it's a cat and mouse game. You yeah. Know? They have a job to do and you have a job to do. It's just unfortunate that our jobs clash, you know, in the middle. So you did your time in Central Booking. You, you sucked up. You sucked it up. I almost went to prison for a one to three and I narrowly beat it. Yeah. So I hung it up. I still paint here and there, but not like I used to. What was your thought process for hanging it up? My mother, the fact that I was on trial facing a one to three in prison. Yeah. It's different. It's like story. a reality check. You know what I'm saying? And again, like when you do graffiti and you get a misdemeanor, like I did so many times, you get arrested, you go through the system you're out bombing the next day. You don't give a shit. But when this, when the it becomes more severe, am I willing to give up my freedom for, to writing on the walls? You know what I'm saying? You got more to lose. The stakes are higher. Yeah. That's really what it was. How old were you? 2001. 2002 was the trial. I was born do the math on that one did they they raided your crib they came to your crib how did they it go? basically they basically caught a kid in the neighborhood that i was putting under the wing he got arrested for doing something dumb yeah and they pressed him for information and they were looking for us from all the trains that we did he snitched they basically got a no-knock warrant showed up at my house in paddy wagons and we're gonna break my fucking door down so with that being said my mother and father were home and they regulated it. So by the time I got home from work, they were already in my house. There was probably nine cops in my basement. And they were just taking albums and putting them in garbage bags. They literally moved me out of my house without me moving. So with that being said, when they were in the house, I had a steep tech jacket. And I had like train keys. Because I, I would fuck around on the trains on the way home. Thank God I had them zipped in the coat. They didn't look in my coat. They did look through my coat, but there were so many pockets they didn't find the train keys. But uh, we had a whole bunch of train signs. They tried, they tried to charge me with possession of stolen property. They wouldn't let me use it on... E- I said I bought it on eBay. They wouldn't let me use that. I told them I bought it from Billy's Antiques on Houston. They would not let me use that in court. They would not let me use any of that defense in court. So they, Why not? They just, would, they just would not do it. And it's... You know, it's... it's when they want to fuck you, they will. You know, the powers that be. It's just... it's Like, I had a hip... My lawyer... The fact that they showed pictures of, they showed, they had a slideshow of my graffiti in the courtroom. So basically, they had me hanging out of a white elephant train that was out of service 
taking tags on the outside. But could they prove the can was actually spraying the paint? I had to tell my lawyer that's an out-of-service train that's not in running service. Like, they just chalk it up as a subway train. To the, un- to, to the uneducated person, they look at a picture of a white elephant train. They don't, they, oh, it's all written all over. They don't know the difference. But when you clarify it, that's when you understand. So basically, I hit my lawyer on it. We beat the case. And it was- On what premise did you beat the case? Not, I don't know. They just couldn't find enough evidence to prosecute. But the crazy thing is, when they were prosecuting me in court, they found a whole bunch of transit shit, like transit vests, keys, hard hats, all sorts of stuff. And they wanted the threshold to be a felony, but they didn't know how much a train key was worth or how much a vest was worth. So they went down to transit headquarters and fucking had a guy come from the transit authority and testify against me that the vest is worth $35 to try to push for that felony. That's how dirty they were playing. Yeah. So, but with that, with with that being said, we 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 beat the case, not guilty on all counts. And then the fun part was going to uh, Coney Island to go get all my stuff back. So, if I had a hundred photo albums, they took all of them. And basically, they took twenty photos out of each album and then put those in a garbage bag. Just to do it. Just because they scanned them or whatever they did with them, I don't know, but. To get back a, a 35-pound garbage bag of loose hard flicks, I sat at my desk downstairs until my neck hurt. Took a nap, got back up, and did it. Once I was finished putting those albums back together, I never looked at them again. And they've been sitting down there for decades. Yeah. Until you guys came and started looking through them. Mm-hmm. But like that shit, just, it just burned me out. Yeah. It totally burned me out. Of course, yeah. So I got a few things to say. But first is, why did you want to paint? clean trains first of all when you know all the the stuff behind them that is going to happen when you paint them and secondly when you know like you could just do the streets and people will still see it what was your reasoning what was your purpose when you're, when you're young you're invincible yeah you know that so when, <laughs> when we used to go the fun was going through the hatch like they did in star wars painting trains like the guys before me yeah all the guys before me painted trains, so why shouldn't I paint trains? You know, just the game changed. Like, look at Ghost and RIS. They destroyed clean trains, you know? Those were the guys I looked up to. So why wouldn't I go destroy clean trains? It's generational, you yeah. know? But again, we taunted them. We wrote, we wrote their names on the fucking yeah, train, crazy, you yeah. know? But, I mean, it was fun. It, it's still fun. I would go do it tomorrow if I could get away with it. I love it, the tunnel, the smell of the dirt. Like when you're painting over the doors, you hear that little, that little, I mean, nothing replaces that. The generation of the generator on the air conditioner. I mean, it's alive, dude. You're in the tunnel. You've been in tunnels. You know what it's like. Yeah. What replaces a tunnel? The street can't replace that. Why do you think that the authorities care that much about a train? Like you, it's kind of a weird thing, right? Like you look at the streets and they're fucking grilled. To the point where it's just like, yo, right now, right? And then you look at the trains and there's nothing. They hit a train. If someone hits a train, boom, clean it real fast. Because they don't want it. They don't want that image in the public eye. But it's in the public eye. It's just as in the public eye. If anything, the street is. But more the thing in the is, when, when it when it's running, you know, like, I guess it's like it's running through stations. People are going to see it. Like, the MTA owns the trains. Who owns the streets? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I get what you're saying. Every street is, I mean, every business is individually owned. And like if you own a store gate, 
that's your store gate. You don't have to clean it unless they make you clean it. Yeah. But then Graffiti Free New York City came around and they would come color match and they'd paint all the gates. Yeah. Like in the early 2000s, that's where we lost a lot of graffiti in the early 2000s. Because now if you hit a train, I mean, people do it, you know what I mean? But they do it more than ever now. Yeah. It's fantastic. It's just like, it's it just shows that there's a lot of passion going on Absolutely. Because you know, you know, it's like you could just not do this and then like you decrease your risk by like way more, you know? But if you say something like, what do you think the best things in graffiti ought to hit? The Brooklyn Bridge, the subway, that one crazy high spot that no one's ever done. There's, there's, I mean, anyone can do the streets. Anyone can do trucks. But who has the balls to go down in the subways and fight the third rail? Oncoming trains. You know, other people. Death. Yeah. You know, that's that's the ultimate. That's why they all come from overseas to paint the New York City trains. Yeah. You know? Um, that's where it started. When did you start shooting photos? I started with a 110 camera, probably... What's a 110 camera? 110 camera is like a flat camera with a flash cube. Okay. It's like... It's like Around the time of disc film, too. It's probably the same. Probably 86, 1986, 1987, when I was a little kid. I think the camera cost like 15 bucks. So my mom bought me a camera, and I just started shooting stuff around the neighborhood. And then all of a sudden, you know, I got a better camera. Because when I was young, I never left without a camera. We never went on a mission without a camera. Only a few times I got caught out there. But we always had a camera. And then what we used to do is I would get together with a few friends. We'd get a car later on. And we would drive on Christmas Eve and go to every neighborhood in the city and shoot all the gates. During Christmas Eve, New Year's Day, early, like five in the morning, we'd go out and we'd shoot all the gates. That's how we got all the stuff because all the stores were closed. But my thing is always, you always want to document your surroundings. You know, you always want to document it because, again, it's not going to be there forever. Yeah. Like we used to walk the highways and, and shoot pictures of the highways. Same thing, like my friends are like, why are you shooting the highways for? I'm like, because they're not, they're going to be clean soon. That shit's been there for 30 years. Yeah, but it's going to come to an end. So I had the foresight of trying to capture as much as I could. Because you captured a lot. And plus, with that being said, I worked in like four different photo labs. So every photo was free. All the film was free. All the developing was free. All the albums were free. There's no way I could have that collection if I had to pay for it. Yeah, it's crazy. You know? So like, we'd go out and shoot. If I had 30 rolls of film, I would shoot fucking a million pictures i wouldn't care you were just documenting straight up yeah just shooting everything yeah but there's a ton of things i never caught you know there's a ton of things i didn't get there's spots i could rattle <laughs> off right now that i wish i took a picture of yeah why didn't i i was over there 10 times why didn't i have to get a picture of that how many photos do you think you have oh god all graffiti photos just photos in general i guess let's start with graph photos oh god i don't even know I don't know. Freights. You guys never even looked at freights. I yeah, no. Six albums just on freight trains. I don't know. Maybe 30, 40,000 pictures. Holy shit. Maybe. I don't know. I really don't know. I don't have a number for it. But I mean, I have I have thousands and thousands that aren't even in albums. I just, I don't have room for albums anymore. Yeah. And I have thousands that aren't even in photo albums. Stacks downstairs. You know? When did you stop? Probably around 2004. Okay. 
probably 2005. Then the iPhone came out and ruined everybody's life because now you have a camera in your pocket. That's what I'm not shooting with a Pentax anymore. I'm not shooting, you know, with a tripod anymore. I'm not shooting anything. Yeah. You know? So it was the invention of the iPhone that had you stop. And the, and the graffiti changed too, like, you know? Do you still think about graffiti? Every day. I look at it every day. We drive around. I drive around with guys who don't even write graffiti. I'm talking about graffiti. What's stopping you from doing it right now? My career? My pension? You know what I'm saying? If there was no rules, I'd be out there every night with you guys fucking destroying shit. Like really ripping shit up. You know, I'd go right for the trains. Again? I'd make in, I'd make markers. We would do insides. I would get you guys high off the fucking ink, man. <laughs> you guys would be puking in between cars. Like for real. Talk about uh, how you got into, how did you get into collecting polo in the, in the early, earlier mid-90s? Collecting polo? Yeah. The first, the first piece of polo I ever had. And you know, it's, it goes back to when you have an audience. Yeah. Without an audience, you have nothing. Yeah. Once you find that first person that has an audience, that's when you're off to the races. So my friend's brother gave me a P-wing turtleneck. Great turtleneck with a green P-wing. Gave it to me because he outgrew it. I'm like, all right, cool. I wore it to night school. I had a black denim jacket on. I used to bomb in. I actually had a marker in my pocket. So I'm taking tags I'm taking tags on my desk with the marker. He's like, the kid in front of me is like, what the fuck? Yo, you right? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who, who the fuck are you? You right? Because night school was kids from different high schools. Yeah. So he turns around. and I, The denim jacket was open. And I guess he saw the P-Wing and he got super hype. He's like, you got a fucking P-Wing? He's like, yo, I got a suey turtleneck. Like, I'm like, rad. I'm like, cool. And that's all it was. But he was so hype. And he's like, yo, can I borrow that? I'm like, borrow that? He's, I was, he's like, yo, I'll give you this suey turtleneck and I'll give you um, a, a, a sportsman button up if you lend me that P-Wing. Yeah. So then when you went to high school, I only had a gray P-Wing shirt. But now I come through in a sportsman. And then next week I'm trading in for something else. So mm -hmm. I had, you always looked richer than you were. So then now I started buying polo. And I always had polo, but I never had like, you know, items so then once that happened now i had an audience now i'm fucking wheeling and dealing with everybody in the city what year was this 93 94 were people were people sticking people up for their polo absolutely you go you go into a, the neighborhood you don't belong you're not leaving you may they might strip you naked you go by west 4th street you might leave naked you know what i'm saying like people were, were on it i seen this one documentary and it was on like fucking boosting polo Mm -hmm. And it was like a gang of kids who would go out into the city and they would have nickname, nickname. Yeah, 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 yeah. You've absolutely. probably seen it. I know it had probably half. And of them. there's like, they're like one of them's like he's like the di the bionic booster. That was like his nickname. Oh, boosting Billy. I don't remember. He was yeah, like yeah, the yeah, bionic yeah, yeah. Booster. They, they all had names and shit. yeah. Those are the low lives. Yeah. But what's interesting with, with with us, we knew about them, but they weren't the reason why we rocked polo. Like I told you, my man's brother gave me the shirt, and then. You see, like, someone else would have a shirt. Oh, I got that. I, oh, I got one of those. And then that's when the audience... Then when you're in high school, we were the first kids with North Faces in high school. And then everyone was like, oh, shit, what's that? Looks like the lottery symbol. Nah, nah, you ain't up on this. And then once they got up on that, you had to move to something else. You know? Yeah. You had to be, you had to be fresher than everybody else. That, yeah, was, that, yeah. was the, that was the G. You couldn't wear the same outfit twice. Yeah. So, like, now I was going to night school... And now I met different kids in night school, so we were trading with a whole bunch of people. So every day I'd come in with something new. I'd have a new hat, a new shirt, a new jacket. And then everyone's checking for you. Oh, shit, what's he wearing today? 
And that was the fuel. That was the fuel on the fire. Do you think Ralph Lauren endorses, you know, the kids from the street robbing his clothes? You know, in the in the neighborhoods of Brooklyn, you were the fashion show. You didn't need a runway. The runway was the street. So, you know, I'm sure Ralph Lauren knows about it. You know, like they said, they sold Tom Gould's book in on their website. But do they fully embrace it? You know, like we did a project called The Row Project. Well, we, we made fantasy polo hats. And we made the quality, I would say it in my own opinion, way better than RL. So when my buddy who was working with RL went up there, he brought his original hats from the 90s and he brought our hats. <clears throat> And when the people that worked at Polo, like the designers, were like, oh, I remember that hat. I, and Chris is like, mm, you don't remember that. that. That's not Polo. And they're like, well, what do you mean? With white gloves. What do you mean that's not Polo? That's our intellectual properties. I said, well, he's like, well, look at the hat. And they're like, they're marveling at it. Like full embroidery, like beautiful things. Now, if, if you're, you guys are... And if somebody came and did your throw-ups better than you, right? Wouldn't you be like, yo, who the fuck is this guy doing my throw-up? But he's doing the same throw. Doing the same fucking thing? Who are yeah. you doing it better than me? Either you want to subcontract that guy to teach you how to do it better, or you want to destroy that guy. You can't have this guy doing it better than me. Yeah. But the thing is with Polo, they had a lot of egos. We don't have egos. I let the product speak for myself. I'm not, like I said, I'm not the best at what I do, but I put my heart and soul in it. If you think it's the best, so be it. I think I could always do better. But for them to look at it and acknowledge it and not say, yo, we want to we work with these guys because their egos are too big. Yeah. I don't want to work at Polo. I don't want your job. I don't even want your paycheck. Let's rock and roll. But they didn't want to do it, you know? What do you want to do for them? We wanted to do hats and, and headwear. Like you want to make it for them. Like we would, yeah, we'd love to. We would have loved to at that time. Yeah. Because you know what it is? When, when you're so immersed in a culture, I can tell you how the hats were built. I've been making hats for 20 years. You know, I would look at their hats and see where they messed up and make it better. Like I troubleshooted a lot of their problems. And then when they released, you know, retro stuff, they were dealing with the same problems that I finished dealing with. And they're still facing these problems with their factories. I circumnavigated that. You know, we're three guys from, you know, the five boroughs. You mean to tell me we can make a better product than a multi-million dollar Fortune 500 company? How is that possible? Because we have the heart and soul. You don't. You fill a suit and push a pencil. We live it in the streets. There's a difference. You know? Who can make better graffiti inks and markers than people who are physically out there writing? Oh, this ink fades fast. Fuck it. What are we going to add to it? Shoe dye. We're going to put brake fluid in it. We're going to make it the best we could ever make it because we want our tags to last the longest. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. You think the ink company's worried about it fading? They want you just to buy it. What, what year do you, would you say that Polo, the quality of Ralph Lauren went down? 95. So 95. That was the last beautiful hat I ever bought out of Polo. Fitted fleece USA hat, I still own it. And what changed? Uh, the hats weren't made in USA and they weren't making the style of hats that we liked. We liked the six panel fitteds and we liked the long bill hats. So once they st they shied away from that, there was no there was no allure for us to keep going. You know, figure their heyday. Well, they had a few heydays in our opinion. Like the country line to me was one of the best ever made, and then obviously ninety two, ninety three, Snow Beach, you know, Stadium, all that was the killer shit. But a lot of that stuff ended up in the outlets at the end of the day.
But that's what everybody was wearing. Flashy, bright colors, big logos, big words, big pictures. And once that shied away, the hats stopped being fresh. You know, ask anybody from the 90s. And they'll probably give you the same type of timeline, 95. Why do you think that Polo as a brand and Ralph Lauren attracted that? Like, why that brand and not another brand? Why did everyone get so hyped on that shit? Not well, if you brand? look at the history of, of clothing during that time period, during the early 90s, yeah. you had DKNY, you had Tommy Hilfiger, you had Polo. Polo had Chaps, which made like maybe three nice things out of the whole line. Polo was always the first. Tommy Hilfiger emulated what Polo was doing and came out with Tommy Hilfiger Outdoors and Tommy Hilfiger Cycling. But Polo was, it was just made better. Like, there was more thought involved in it. Like, when you had a Dan and Dave shirt with two guys running and the guy was wearing it, the guy was wearing an item on your shirt. He was wearing a P-Wing. Like, you had an item with a guy wearing an item, bro. You were, you were bulletproof. You know what I'm saying? That shit got people hype, like super hype. That's what it was. And you know, like, the hats were dope. Like, you would go into Polo, and there'd be a Polo Sport Bicycle, a CP92 Lifesaver. Like, everything was fresh. You know? What do you think it was about Polo that they got it, I guess, adopted by underground culture? The, flash, the, the flashiness. Yeah. The, the fact that it was expensive. It, like, it creates status. Absolutely. It's, and it, it was made for some completely other shit. It's basically you're buying self-esteem in a bottle. Yeah. And we're selling it to you. Because you could be nobody... You throw on a snow beach Raekwon and some snow beach pants and some Terra Humaras, now you're somebody. 